Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Psalm 107, as you turn there, I'm going to look at the back of Dr. Barclay's uh, I Predict 2023, and you and I know very clearly that Dr. Barclay is, without a doubt, a true prophet of God, acknowledged by all of his spiritual dads, and honestly, um, you know, from the time frame of which he started putting these out, very clear that he's hearing from God. And what God's showing him about things that we need to know and things that are coming and things we need to do. And I'm going to show you as I was uh, in this afternoon in my time of prayer with the Lord, talking to the Lord about this morning. And uh, I'm going to show you, he immediately said, go get, go get Pastor's Prophecy Preview. So I did, uh, the I Predict. And I'll guarantee you this, this is what's so significant of what we're talking about in this part of our series about Hungry for God. Because I have, a, I have a huge concern for the majority of the body of Christ not really being hungry for God. And I guarantee it's something that you and I got to stay hungry, uh, stay uh, aware of, and, and we got to do our part to stay hungry for Him. Notice number 26. Number 26, I predict that great power. How much? So making sure you're still there. I predict that great power will come to those who do what? There you go. Amen. So what are you chasing? God. Now don't just assume. Make sure. I told you my story. I'm not going to go through all that again this morning. If you'd asked me at that time in my life if I was chasing God, I'd have told you emphatically, oh yeah. But I didn't realize that I still had stuff in the way. We're going to talk about that tonight. But those who chase God, what's going to happen? Great power will come. So what will be an evidence, what will be an actual evidence, Pastor, in my life that I'm chasing God in the last days? Great power will come to you. No nonchalant service to the king. 22, I predict that great peace will come to those who do what? So if you, only one person knew that? Only one person said it. 27, did I say 27? I said 22? Well, thank you. Praise God for Becky being, being, Becky's in line with the Holy Ghost tonight. She knew. I know pastor's going to 27. 27. I'd give you a high five if I was closer to you. I predict that great peace will come to those who do what? Attend church regularly. No skipping church ever. And I taught you that at the first of this series. Because what happens at church, if you do it right, seeds get planted in your heart for a future harvest. And that includes the peace of God. 28, I predict that great direction, great direction, great direction will come to those who do what? Live in their Bible. No slacking off from the scriptures. No slacking off. 29, I predict that great healing will come to those who forgive everyone for everything. No holding grudges or getting even. I'm going to tell you what, one of the first places I would look if I'm not getting healed as I would look to see if I've got anything against anybody in my life without even, excuse me, without even maybe realizing it because I'll promise you this, 
That unforgiveness is one of the greatest hindrances to faith working in your life. And I, I mean, you could say that you, in the sense, you think you've forgiven, but if you still continue to go through that and bring it back up and talk to other people, uh, you need to let it go and walk on with your life. Notice number 30. I predict that demons and Satan himself will be stopped in their tracks by the biblical words of our mouth. No filter defeat in our words. As Kathy's been talking to you about the importance of the word. 31, I predict that as we once again kindle the fire within. That's what we talked about this morning. That we once again kindle the fire within. We will do what? Tell me. You don't sound very excited about that prophecy. Those who don't will suffer defeat. I'm going to read it again. I predict that as we what? Once again kindle the fire within. Who's got to do that? You do. Once we reignite this kindle, this fire, rekindle this fire within, we will overcome how many things? All things. But if you don't, there will be those who will suffer defeat. Because I'm telling you, as Isaiah 10, 27 says, God's anointing, His presence, His manifest presence, is what removes burdens and destroys yokes. And I'll tell you how Satan begins to work on your life to take advantage of you. He gets you burdened down. He gets you burdened down. He tries to get a yoke of bondage on you. So, you want to keep it off? Then keep God on you. Stay full of God. Stay overflowing full of God. I really wanted to teach our series tonight because it really goes along with what we talked about this morning. But I just kept praying about it and the Lord kept bringing me back to this and said, No, I want you to finish this. A uh, point that we started this morning because it'll kind of be fresh there for in your memory. But I will promise you this. A lot of us don't realize, we'll probably do it Wednesday night, how much of us don't even realize that we get into religious motion as a believer. Religious exercise. Just kind of doing things religiously and not really out of relationship. And that hurts us. That hinders our ability to walk close with God. Psalm 107 again. We're going to look here back at, we're on point eight of this series about fully equipped for what's ahead. I've been giving you key things in your life as to what you need to be fully equipped for what's coming down the pike. So, this number eight. You got to stay hungry for God. Amen. I mean, I could have said it a lot of ways. Truth is, you should already be. But if you're not, you need to get there. Amen. But if you are, you got to stay there. You got to keep that fire strong. Another word you could use that I almost really wanted to put in here instead is passion. You need to stay passionate about your God. What you're passionate about, like I gave my testimony this morning, you'll chase after. Nothing will stop you. Nothing. I'm going to refer back to Summerall. Can I do that? Real quick, that one little story little, as a little boy. I won't go through all the details, but he comes in. He'd been working, doing chores. His mom said, you get the firewood. No, mom, I'm tired. I'm tired. Well, don't forget to get the firewood, Lester, before you come back in the kitchen. And she goes back in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, he gets a knock on the door, and his little buddy shows up and says, Hey, Lester, we're going to play football. Energy instantly arose within Lester's body. See, to tell your mama that you have no energy, but all of a sudden, you got all the energy in the world to go play football for the next two hours yeah. is a lie. It's a lie. I told you all the different times in my life. That I, I mean, I barely touched on a couple things where I literally pushed beyond what my flesh wanted to do to be able to get on another bull. Injured, hurt, broken ribs, punctured lung, didn't matter. I just pushed beyond all that. Because why? Because my passion 
to be able to do what I was doing was so strong it drove me beyond what my physical body told me I couldn't do. And I told my physical body, yes, she can. And I'm going to tell you what, if Christians would get that way about God, we quit saying we're too tired for church. We quit saying we're too tired for the Bible. The reason we say that is because we're not passionate enough about God. Because all of a sudden, a little boy who at seven said he was totally wore out and tired and had no more strength, got up, went out and played football for two hours and never complained about having no lack of, of strength. Never complained about being tired. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you're passionate about something and if you're passionate about God, that's what's going to help you press beyond all the fleshly times that, that your physical being wants to quit, wants to give up, doesn't want to do what God needs you to do. Amen? So in Psalm 107... We see this again in the first nine verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, circle, highlight, underline, and put lines uh, uh, underneath this, for He is what again? So He is good. So we have another defining definition clearly from Scripture, therefore, what God is. God's many things. But one of the things He also is, is He is good. For His mercy endures what? If you want proof of His goodness, there it is. He's good because His mercy endures forever as long as you and I do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit his mercy for us endures forever he will not give us what we deserved he will not do it verse 2 let the redeemed of the Lord do what say so why because he has redeemed them he has redeemed them from the hand of the enemy you already been redeemed from the hand of the enemy notice he gathered us out of the lands in our case this is just talking about out of the world type and shadow of Referring to Egypt here, you know, bringing the children of Israel to their promised land. He gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Notice, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he did what? He delivered them out of their distresses. Seven, he led them forth by what? The right way. You want God to lead you. Because if he is, he's going to lead you the right way. It will not be very, 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 very rarely will it be the way that you thought God was going to do it. See, don't, don't get this mindset, well, I happen to know God's leading me because this is exactly what I thought he would do. I'm going to tell you right now, he'll rarely do what you thought he would do. Rarely, rarely, rarely. God's dealing with me on this building on some things, and I'm like, Lord, if that's you lead me, I'll obey you. But that's going to be one of the most challenging things I'm ever going to deal with in my life. But I will obey whatever you tell me to do because I know it's the right way. So again, he led them forth by what? The right way. That they might do what? Go to a city for a dwelling place where God wanted them to be. What God had provided for them. Verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his. Why? For his goodness? Because he's good. And for his. Wonderful works to the, 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 honestly, I don't, I, I hate to make statements like this without you understanding that I'm serious about it because the Bible is. There shouldn't be a day goes by that we don't thank God for how good he is. If you're, if you're passionate about God, you've tasted and see how good he is. It's not, it's not hard to thank him every day. Notice this again, verse 8. All that men would give thanks for his goodness and for his wonderful works for men. Verse 9 is the key verse that we're looking at. For he satisfies the longing soul. And he fills the hungry soul with what? So I want you to get this. He satisfies the longing soul. Soul. Soul made up of mind, will, and emotions. So who does he satisfy? Those whose will it is. Those whose will it is 
to have more of Him. To satisfy means to fill to overflowing based on the demand that was put upon the one who is filling you. The word longing there again not only means a thirst, but it means a charging forth. It means a chasing after. So who does God fill to the full to overflowing? Those who are chasing after Him. Notice, and He also fills what? The hungry soul with what? Goodness. So again, He fills the hungry soul with goodness. We're to give thanks to God for His goodness. Verse 1, because He is what? Good. So verse 9 is saying, He will fill your hungry soul. You, if you hunger from your soul for God, what's He going to fill you with? Himself. He's going to fill you with Himself. If you walk on this planet full of God, you are going to walk in the presence of God. You are going to walk in awareness of that presence. You're going to clearly know the greater one lives in you, and greater is He, therefore, who is in you than He who is in the world. That presence will be manifest on your life. And as that presence is manifest on your life, there ain't a single burden or yoke that can get on you. Amen. Amen? Amen. So we need to walk in this. To understand this, we got to do what? we got to make sure we're longing for Him. And again, longing means to do what? I'll, I'll simplify it. Chase Him. Every day. Chase after Him. If you do, He'll fill you to overflowing. With what? More of Him. He fills to overflowing, the hungry soul. How hungry are you? So I'm going to mention this again because I didn't get to spend a lot of time on it this morning. Shared a lot of my testimony. But the point is, if you're not hungry for God, I'll tell you why. You're already full of something else. That's simple. It's not hard to figure out. I gave the example, like I told you, my mom would tell us when we'd go out to play. We lived in Montana, man. We were outside all the time. And she'd always tell us, because she knew, man, we'd go to neighbor's house. You know, we'd go, we'd go play football for a while, and then we'd go to his, this buddy's house over here, and we get some cookies or whatever it is. Of course, you know, his mom doesn't know. You know, oh, hey, we got some snackos over there. Or we go to the another, another guy's house and play baseball for a while, and then we'd go get some popcorn, you know, a little corner stand or something. Or How about them big, giant pixie sticks, man? We had those big ones, like that long, that big around, you know. Big old deals, man. There was a little shop down on the corner from us that had sold those things, you know. And if we always had a few, you know, quarters in our pocket or whatever, we'd go get one of those. And my mom would keep telling us, don't go fill up on all the junk now because when dinner comes, you won't be hungry. See, the problem with most Christians is they're so full of themselves and full of other things of this world that they're not hungry for God. Go to James chapter 4. <clears throat> you cannot fill up on the things of the world and get full of God. They don't fit together. <clears throat> they just don't they, don't, they won't go together. All through scripture we're told this. There's so many verses on it. But I'm going to go here to James chapter 4 that will lead us to what I want to talk about tonight over in Philippians. James chapter 4. And this is so critical for me and you to understand as a believer to stay hungry for God. If we don't do this, if we don't acknowledge this and deal with this in our life, then the problem is we won't be full of God. And if you're not full of God, I promise you this, stuff that's coming down the pike, you're going to need God's presence. You're going to need the fullness of God's presence in your life. James chapter 4, I believe you already need it. Already, based on what's going on, you already need it. James chapter 4. Now, we could go through all these verses. It starts off talking about where wars and fights, where do they come from among you? But you're simply fighting after what are your own desires for your own pleasures that warn your members. 
Verse 2, you lust. Now, the lust just means you desire. You desire, but you don't have. You know what that means? Let's read them. I'm not going to. Let's read the verse. Let's read them. Let's add them to what I was going to actually start off with verse 4. But let's go ahead and read verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Contentions. Not just wars in the world. Included. How about frustrations? Included. Where does all this stuff come from? Do not come from your desires for pleasure that warn your members. I was a. I was thinking about this yesterday and preparing for this message, man. And I kept hearing the Spirit of God say, everybody today wants me time. Yeah. You ever hear this? Oh, yeah. I need some more me time. No, you need less me time. You need more God time. See, it sounds good. I, I, I was uh, actually thinking about this statement and something else that another person had said in a, in a quote. And the Lord spoke to me. He just does this all the time to share little nuggets with people, you know. The Lord said, I have more of my kids being actually pastored by mems and sayings on, on social media than I do pastors. And the problem is those things sound good, but they're not always biblical. Can I give you one? Man, if you're, if you're really, you know, I mean, don't, don't worry about it. If you're really being, you know, struggling with uh, all kinds of stuff coming against you, all hell's broken loose against you, just know this. The devil knows you're about to get a breakthrough. Let me help you. That's a lie. Don't post that mem. It's not true. He doesn't know that about you. He doesn't know everything about you. He don't know when your breakthrough is going to come. Sounds good, don't it? Sounds good because if you're going through a hard time, you know, make somebody think, yeah, see, the devil knows I'm about to get a breakthrough. Let me help you. You're probably never going to get a breakthrough. Because you know what that, I'll tell you why the devil has that statement out there. Here's why. Because if you think that, you know, man, if the devil's fighting at you, against you, I don't know how the different words they say it, you know. If the devil's really fighting you right now, he already knows you're about to reach your breakthrough. Now, you know what most people do when they hear that and they agree with that? Yeah, see, I'm just going to sit down away from my breakthrough. You'll never get it. <laughs> You'll never get it. You don't sit down and wait for a breakthrough to come. You do your part and God helps you break through. Right? God didn't say, stand back, just watch, watch the walls of Jericho fall. Boys, you ain't got to do nothing. No, they had to do something to see a breakthrough. And the devil didn't know those walls were going to come down. He's not all-knowing. Be careful. Be careful because you know what? As we actually agree with those things and then propagate them, we actually allow false doctrine to continue to be put out there for other people. And, and it hinders people's lives from walking in the truth. I'm not faulting anybody for doing it. I'm just trying to be honest with you. I'm just telling you. I'm reading this stuff and the Holy Spirit, just the, the Lord speaks to me and says, there's so many of those things out there that I never said and they don't line up with the Bible. But people don't have a pastor so they don't listen. You listening? And you and I got to realize that that's what he's referring to here is that the reason we have all these problems is because we want me time. What pleases us. Can I help you? You're not going to fulfill God's plan and stay full of God by having what you want in life. It's like the message I shared with, uh, you know, uh, June from uh, Pastor's Church. You know, you got to learn to get rid of the old me. Well, I just need me. No, you need Jesus' time. You need time with God. You certainly need to develop more understanding and relationship with Him, no doubt. But me time means I just want to get away from everybody else and just go do what I want to do. And I will promise you that's not going to get you fuller of God. You listening? Nothing wrong, ladies, with going to get your nails done. I understand some guys do it. I don't think I want anybody messing with my nails. But, I mean, toenails even. I don't want that. Some, somebody doing that. Nothing wrong with doing that. But you got to be careful of this me time thing. I need more me time. No, you need more God time. 
Because if I need more me time, who's the focus on? Me. And, and what you don't realize is you're not going to stay full of God focused on me. You're going to stay full of God focused on God. Right? Could you see, Paul? Man, guys, come on. This is really getting intense. I mean, really, seriously. We just came out of the jail, you know, and thank God God, you know, did a supernatural thing. But we started praising him. But, boys, I need to take a break. I just really need some me time right now. <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't say that? How about Jesus? I mean, come on. They had such a demand put on them at one time. He tries to get his disciples set aside just to have some time to rest physically. Not me time, but to rest, because your body could wear down. Just to rest physically. And the crowd followed him. Guess what? Sorry, boys. We got work to do. Right. Amen? Amen? Be careful about me time. Right. Why? Because it's you. A lot of times you fulfilling what? Your own pleasures. Right. Verse 2, you lust and do not have. So what does it mean you lust and don't have? Well, I don't lust. Oh, yeah, all you do. Because within every one of your desires, that's just referring to desires. There's desires within every one of us of the human nature. And those desires, if not dealt with and obviously addressed biblically, are going to lead us into trouble. Notice what he said, you desire and do not have. You know what that means? You'll never be satisfied chasing desires. That's all it means. doesn't matter what you get. Name it. So if you have some desire, oh man, I just got a real desire to own this, have this, do this, whatever. Okay, you get there, but guess what? There's going to be something else now. And that's all he's saying. He's saying that you're never going to be satisfied or fulfilled by just chasing desires. You know what's going to satisfy you? Satisfy means to overflow again. You know what's going to satisfy you? God will. Notice he goes on to say, you murder and covet. And you cannot obtain. Well, I haven't murdered anybody. Listen, there's people that literally get so mad and angry, even believers at people, that they hate them. And Jesus said that's the same as murder. Notice, and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not what? You do not have because you don't what? See, you're not going to the right person. You're not going to God who, by the way, the Bible's clear. He says that his desire is to give you all things. He, he doesn't want to hold anything back. Amen. Three, now notice this, you ask and do not receive because you ask what? You ask amiss. So in case you don't understand what he's saying here, he's saying you might be asking in some cases, but you know what, you're asking amiss. Watch that you may spend it on your, on your pleasure. So the purpose, I like something Summerall said. Summerall said, ever since I started walking with God, I've never asked God for anything for me. Never have. I don't need to. God takes care of me. God provides whatever I need. He said, you know who i got to spend all my time asking for? You. All the people I minister to. But he said, I'm, I'm, and I believed him. I believe him. I don't think he was lying one bit. He said, I don't ask God for stuff. I don't ask him for cars and stuff and things and all that. God provides whatever I need. I'm too busy believing to follow his, his direction and obedience to what he has for me to do for my life. For adulterers and adulteresses. What? Adulterers and adulteresses. Listen. Listen to this. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So he's not talking about marriage situation here. He's talking about us giving our love to the world instead of God. So you give your love to the world instead of God. You are literally an adulterer and adulteress because you're giving your love to somebody that shouldn't get it. The world shouldn't get your... I don't, mean don't, I don't mean we don't love the world in the sense like God does. I'm just talking about I'm not in love with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You ought to ask God this question, not yourself tonight. Am I a friend of the world? 
<clears throat> Am I in friendship with the world? Because if you're in friendship with the world, guess what that means? Enmity with God. Enmity is opposed. You're, you're, you're walking opposite of him. I don't, I, it's amazing how many Christians that I watch, and it's sad. You so want to just be able to grab them and shake them. Not in my church. I'm talking about other people I know. Just to wake them up, you know. They say these statements that sound so good about chasing after stuff in the world. And how you got to have this focus and vision and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I just want to say, you know, if you chase God like that, you could still do those other things and enjoy them. But the problem is there's going to come a time when those things will no longer satisfy you, fulfill you, and you're not going to know God like you should. Amen. I ain't chasing nothing of this world. If you are, you're a friend of the world, you're an enmity of God. I want nothing of this world in the sense of that I got to have it. No, if, if God wants me to have it, fine. But I'm not chasing after any of it. Amen. I'm going to chase God. Amen. Notice this. He goes on to say again, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Right. Wow. wow. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling you that you obviously can't have anything. No, I'm just telling you it better not have you. You better be able to walk away from it whenever you, whenever you need to walk away from it. Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain? So in essence, do you think God's really lying about this? That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. You know what that means? He won't share you with anybody else. Well, he's kind of a selfish God. Yeah, he chose to be. He won't, the whole point here is he can't share your heart with the world. He can't share your heart with you. You give him all of your heart, and guess what? You get all of him. But he can't share you with somebody else and have something else working in between there because it's going to hinder your ability to walk with God. Look at verse 6. But he gives more grace. Oh, man, I'm after this. He gives what? More grace. Therefore, he says, God resists who? The proud, but he gives grace to who? So what do you mean more grace? Listen, more of what heaven has available to me and you, including heaven's help. More of God, more of God's presence. Grace is everything that we didn't deserve that God has available to us, and he wants to give us more of it. But the key is we got to do what? We got to make sure we're humble. So you know how that goes because a lot of people then will start demeaning themselves, running themselves down. That's not humility. Putting yourself below what the Bible says you are as a believer is a form of pride. It's not humility. Humility means I'm not chasing after what I want. I'm chasing after God. I'm chasing after God. I'm not chasing after what I want. I'm chasing after God. What I, meaning the old me, the old nature, is not what I'm chasing after. I'm chasing after God. I want more of God. Any amens on that? Seven, therefore do what? Submit to God. And resist the devil. He will do what? So realize it's not always the devil, but the enemy certainly will work at trying to get you to pull away from the things of God. You need to resist him. Resist him don't mean sit around and just kind of act casually about it. No, you start rebuking him in Jesus' name. Say, get out of my home. Get out of my life. I'm not going the way of the flesh. I'm not going the way of the world. I'm not doing it. I'm going to walk with God. Can I get a better amen? Amen. But if it's your flesh, you got to deal with yourself. And like Pastor says, powerful statement, we can't cast you out of you. 
So verse 8 gives us a powerful clue. You ready? Yes. Draw near to who? God. Draw near to God and he will do what? So that is a spiritual law. Yes. If you want God to draw near to you. So kind of like tying into what Matt said, you know. God's trying to reach out to embrace us, but he won't do it till we reach out to embrace him. When we draw near to God, what does he do? Do you realize that you can walk as close to God as you want on a daily basis? It's totally up to us. If we draw near to him, he'll do what? Draw near to us. Notice what he tells us to do. That will help us with this drawing near to him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you so realize sinners here now, he's not talking about those who don't know God. This is, this is a letter written to believers. So he's saying if you're living in a form of willful sin or dealing with sin, do what you have to to get it cleansed out of your life. Go to God, ask him for his help because he'll help you. Jesus came to help you be free from all sin. So go to God. Don't, don't, don't turn around and just be ashamed of it and not do something about it. Go to God and say, God, you have given me the ability to be free from all sin. So I'm going to believe, God, you're going to help me get all sin out of my life. Now, cleanse your hands, you sinners, means what I have a hold of that I can let go of, let it go. <clears throat> There's nothing you're doing in life that you could let go of that's not right with God that's going to be a benefit for you long term. It'll never, it, it ain't going to. It's going to hurt you long term. Because the wages of sin is still death. So cleansing your hands means anything I had of a hold of that I know is not of God, I'm going to let go of it. Now, I'm going to say something you may not like or agree with, but I'm going to add something with that in relationship to what Scripture reveals. What also would be a sin? Now, so let's define sin. What's sin? Missing the mark. What does God want you to do here? What does God want you to do here? Draw near to Him. So what else do I need to let go of? What in your life is keeping you from drawing near to God? That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. You know what you need to do? Time to let go. If you want to draw near to God. There's things in this life that people hold on to that keep them from drawing near to God. And until you let go of those things, you won't draw near to God. Are you listening? Purify your hearts, you what? So the heart here is not referring to your spirit, man. It's referring to your soul. And if you go back to James 1, the Bible will tell you about a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. He'll receive nothing from the Lord. What's double-minded? So think about the context of everything we just read. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. What's double-minded? People who literally think that they can still chase after the world and chase after God at the same time. Wrong. If you're double-minded and you got your mind still set on the things of this world and trying to set your mind on the things of God, you are double-minded. You are unstable in all your ways. You'll receive nothing from the Lord. And here's why. Because when you try to exercise faith for something from God, guess what? That context of that tie to the world is going to tell you that's not possible. Because you're still holding on to the world, you're going to think like the world. If you're still chasing after the world, you're going to actually talk like the world in ways. You're going to act like the world does in ways. You know what faith does? Faith goes totally contrary to everything the world tells you. Everything. When you walk in faith, man, you walk in a disruptive lifestyle to the natural. I don't mean disrupting others, but it's disruptive to the natural. Natural can't figure it out. How can you believe to have something you don't see? You just don't understand. I don't see it with natural eyes. I see it with an inner eye. I see it with the eye of faith. Amen? Totally contrary to the natural. 
So the reason you can't hold on to the world and hold on to God and walk out what God has for your life is because if you hold on to the world, every time you start trying to step out with God, you know what the influence of that world's going to do to you? It's going to cause you to doubt God. It's going to cause you to pull back. It's not going to cause you to fully trust in Him. Why? You're still holding on to parts of the world. And if you're holding on to parts of the world, worldly friends, worldly influence, people of a worldly influence, I want no fellowship with a believer that's gone back to the world. I love you. Goodbye. I will not fellowship with you. I will not be mean to you. I will not curse you. I will not run you down. If I see you, I'll be sweet and nice to you. But I'm not fellowshipping with you. If you're serving the world and walking with the world, I don't want that influence back in my life. And I'm going to guard my life against it. Because if I am double-minded... I'm going to miss out on what God has for my life. I want to do that. I said, I want to do that. The biggest reason God doesn't need you double-minded is because I will promise you to truly walk by faith. This is is an example. Dr. Lester Sumrall gets told by God. Now, you don't start off here. Say you don't start off here. Say you don't start off here. Dr. Sumrall gets told by God to buy a radio station. I want you to go sign the, the document, the contract, to buy that radio station. He didn't even hesitate. Now, see, immediately, if you're still, quote-unquote, double-minded, your initial thought, in his case, where he was at, is going to be, I don't have the money. Guess how much the, the radio station costs? A million dollars. God told him to buy it. Guess how much he had on him? Less than $100 in his life. But God told him to go sign the contract. He didn't go sign that contract and tell that guy, now I sure hope this million dollars comes in. He signed the contract. He said, as I am signing my name on that dotted line, I know in my spirit that million dollars will be in my hand and the time, the time when I need it to hand it over to this guy for this radio station. I will not have to go to the banker and embarrass myself and say, well, I don't have the money. You listening? He signed his name on that contract He gave it to the guy. They did all the paperwork. They did all the time frame it took to get all that stuff switched over. And when the time came for payment to be made, he had a million dollars in his hand to give that guy. He bought a ship that they haul food all over the world in. He actually bought it from a foreign land, foreign leader, president of a foreign nation. They had one for sale. They contacted him because God said, you need one, buy one. I forget how many millions that cost million five, I think, or something like that. And he said, I need that ship. He said, can you come visit with me? Yeah, so he comes and sees him. They bring a contract. They talk about it. The Lord said, buy it. He signs his name again. Had no, no, nowhere near, I mean, even like a thousand bucks in his bank account. But he signs the contract. He gives it to him. And he said, when's the money due? On delivery. That ship has to come from another country. So that ship comes from the other country. When it pulled in the port, the president from that country was there to get his money. And Brother uh, Sermon walked up, handed him $1.5 million, and he says, it's nice to do business with such a wealthy man. Amen. Some of you are looking at me like, is he really for real? (laughs) Now let me help you. Don't believe for a wedding cake if you haven't believed for a donut yet. What? You don't start off believing for a million and a half dollars. Right. Are you still here? Yeah. But I'm here to tell you, folks, that doesn't happen if you're double-minded. 
Because if you're double-minded, when you go to sign that paperwork, you know what your mind's going to tell you? You just did the worst thing you could have ever done. You are going to be so embarrassed because that you don't have the money. Where's that money going to come from? Well, I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Where that money's going to come from? You're out of faith now. Right. Guess what God can't do? Bring you the money. Right. Faith requires action, folks. Yes. Without, with, faith without action is dead. Right. It's not working. Amen. Appreciate you. All you, all you amens about that. But this is why you don't want to be double-minded. Right. You listening? Yes. So he tells us that you're to cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So how do I purify my heart? You get everything out of your will that again would cause you to in any way be influenced to want to go after the world instead of going after God. Anything at all in your life that you know that you would choose actually to take the time to take you away from God over what you need to do to walk with God, you need to choose to get that out of your life. Amen. Verse 9, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will do what? Lift He'll lift you up. So this is referring that there's got to be some true, genuine repentance if you're still chasing the world. You can't just make a confession. You've got to be sincere about it. It's got to come from your heart. It's like that day in that room. Go to Philippians 3. It's like that day in that room I told you when the Lord said, what if I ask you to stop riding bulls? I'm going to tell you what, man. I was so brokenhearted at that moment knowing that God was still not number one in my life that I was truly uh, you know, taken back and my heart hurt that I had allowed this to happen in my life not even knowing it. And I guarantee you when I told God I'm going to change it, it wasn't just words. It was, a, it was a layman. It was a, it was a mourning in my heart for what I had done and that I'm going to get this fixed and change it. And you got to be sincere from your heart to do that. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 3. So here's what I wanted to get to tonight uh, to finish up this part of our series on Stay Hungry for God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. So here's the Apostle Paul talking about his life in relationship to his walk with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reveals some powerful things to us about this in these verses. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have what? <clears throat> Tell me what he did. Counted he counted loss for what? Christ. For Christ. Read it again. What things were gained to me, what things I thought would help me, what things I thought would be an advantage to me, what things I thought would be a benefit in my life, I now realize I, I now count them what? I count them loss for Christ. Yet, yet, indeed, I also count what? All things. How many? All things. I count all things lost. For what? The excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of what? I have suffered the loss of all things. See, there's a suffering that comes with this. People don't like to talk about this part. People don't get up and amen you. They don't jump up and shout and run around and holler. But I'm going to tell you right now, what part of you is suffering? Your flesh, because it wants its way. And when you don't give your flesh its way, guess what? I need me time. <laughs> right? Because you are not going to get your way and walk out what God has for your life. It's like what Johnny Rowlett said about marriage. You've got to figure this out. This ain't about you. Notice again, he says, I count all things. I count all things, verse 8, as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may do what? Gain Christ, Christ, 9, and be what? 
found in him, become one with him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which through, is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may what? There you go. See, what was his pursuit? I just want to know him. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Listen to this, in a, and it's a decent translation. Listen to this in God's Word translation. You ready? Verse 7. These things that I once considered valuable, I now consider worthless for Christ. So when God dealt with me about my bull riding being my God, what I counted so valuable in my life, the buckles and all the stuff that I had, guess what? I now counted them as worthless. And that's why I started giving them away. Because I didn't want them to be something that was of a worth to me. That, that's, where I found my, that's where I find my value and worth in. Look what I accomplished. Look what I did. It's kind of like Kathy mentioned about the prodigal you know, son's story, relationship to the prodigal son. The prodigal son's story, both of those boys were, had the same problem. They both were finding their value and worth in something other than their father. The one that left tried to go find his value and worth in what he could get out of the world. Found out that that was not the place to find his value and worth. Came back home. Thought he was no longer worthy to be considered a son. And his father literally tells him clearly, Hey, son, you are always going to be my son. Doesn't matter what you did. Amen. You're still my son. Amen. Then the other one, guess what? The other one actually has the same problem. He's trying to find his value worth of stuff as well. What he does. Well, look what all, how well, how well I lived for you and all the great things I did. You never threw me a party. You've always been my son. You've always had access to all this. You don't earn it, son. It's yours because you're my son. Amen? So notice this again, verse 7. These things that I once considered valuable, I now consider worthless for Christ. Compared to knowing Jesus and having the presence of God in your life, everything else pretty much is worthless. Now, I don't mean you can't enjoy things. I'm just saying it's worthless compared to Jesus. It's far more than I, listen, it's far more than, far more than that, excuse me. It's far more than that. I consider everything else worthless because I love this. I'm much better off knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. Much better off. It's because of him that I think of everything as worthless. Because of Jesus that I think of everything as worthless. I threw it all away in order to gain Christ. Amen. Threw it all away. Got rid of all of my, you know, upbringing of religiosity and what obviously I thought was something significant to have as a part of my life that really honestly never got me any closer to God. And all it did is just hurt my life and caused me to be farther from him. So again, he says, it's because of him, Jesus, that I think of everything as worthless. I threw it all away in order to gain Christ. Nine, and to have a relationship with him. Amen. <clears throat> this means that I didn't receive God's approval by obeying his laws. The opposite is true. I have God's approval through faith in Christ. This is the approval that comes from God and is based on faith that knows Christ. Faith knows the power that, that hit, notice this, faith knows the power that his coming back to life gives and what it means to share his suffering. In this way, I'm becoming like him in his death. Uh, notice, with the confidence that I will come back to life from the dead. 
Read that again. It says, I, notice this, he said, in this way, I'm becoming like him in his death. By, by in this way doing what? Counting everything worthless. I'm becoming like him in his death with the confidence that I will come back to life from the dead. In other words, I will come into true life because I've given up everything else that I thought really brought life. And it doesn't. None of those other things really truly bring about true life. True joy, true contentment. God does. And I count all those other things as loss. So tonight my challenge is that you would go to God and start talking to God and ask God, is there anything between you and me that's keeping me from being hungry for you? Is there anything that's standing in the way that I don't even realize that I'm allowing in my life of something of the world that I'm still holding on to that's hindering my ability to be hungry for you? When people say they don't have time to spend with God, that's not true. You're spending your time doing something. Right? And most of us are spending a lot of that time doing stuff that doesn't cause us to get any closer to God. I'm going to tell you what you need to be fully equipped for what's ahead. You need to be full of God. To do that, you got to draw near to Him. And if you do, He'll do what? Draw near to you. And if you are not totally passionate pursuing after God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, you need to start asking God, what's standing between me and, and you? Now, wait a minute. Don't ask Him that and, don't be, and not be willing to lay it down. Some people need to get rid of some of their shows on TV. Some people need to get rid of their social media. Some people need to get rid of some of their other toys and hobbies that they allow to consume their life that they seem to have no problem having the strength to go do. But when it comes to now doing things with God, all of a sudden I'm tired. More out. Like the football situation with Dr. Summerall. So you got to understand this. You've got to address in your own life to understand where you are in relationship to hunger to God. Am I truly hungry for God, passionate about Him above everything else? Because if I am, what's the evidence of that? He's drawn near to me. He's filling me. I'm staying full of God. Amen. I want to stay full of God. How about you? If you're full of God, you're going to have everything you need to get you through these last days. You know why? Because you got God. If you're full of God, guess what you're full of? Everything that's good. You want to know true goodness? We honestly, most Christians haven't really tapped into the fullness of how good God really is. To walk in a complete awareness of his presence every day. Wow. You'll really know what's good then. Amen. Amen. And Satan cannot rattle you when you do so. He cannot get you deceived, misled. He cannot obviously lead you astray. Why? Because now you've tasted the true thing that's good, and that's Jesus, not the things of this world. See, people get a taste of certain things in this world, and they want more. Yeah. And that's what drives them to go after it. I got some success in bull riding, made me go after more. You listening? And I'm here to tell you, the Lord tastes a whole lot better whole lot better. Nothing wrong with doing some of those things, but I'm just here to tell you, man, that's not what I'm chasing after. I realize that the difficulty for most people is they're going to continue as a whole, if they don't address this in their life, chase after something of this world. So I'll just put it back to the rodeo world. I'll guarantee you what all those boys and girls are doing in the rodeo world. They're chasing after a world championship buckle. If I was a true strong believer, I could care less whether I win a buckle or not. Appreciate all your amens about that. If God's my passion, it's not a buckle. God is. 
If the buckle comes, the buckle comes. If it don't, guess what? doesn't matter because that's not what defines me. To think I got to win a buckle to be a witness for God, let me help you. Raise somebody from the dead. They're going to take note of you. They'll forget all about you were ever a world champion. Lay your hand on somebody that's given, been given a death sentence. Watch him get healed. They won't, the last thing they'll ever think about ever is the accolades that you won in life. You know what they're going to think of? They must walk with God. They must know this God. Can I get a better amen? That's what makes a difference in your light shining to the world. Not all the things you've accomplished or what you've done. We've got to be careful even in the context of the Christianity world that we're not getting caught up in our religious uh, things that we do. Well, look how long, I'm, I'm, I'm there for prayer every Monday night. I do this, I do that. Be careful because you don't want to get in this position all of a sudden that now it's all about what you've done, right. not who you are. Right. Pastor Barclay says it all the time. Never forget, it's not, who, it's not what you've done, it's who you are that's significant. Amen. Remember what he told the disciples after they came back in Luke 10, after they had actually cast out demons and done all the things they did. Man, wow, even the demons are subject to us. Don't rejoice in that, boys. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I get a better amen? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.